Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joining us as he does every week, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Craig Ludwig. How are you, Craig? I'm doing good. Good. I'm not sitting sitting in a video session right about now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, uh, really excited to have you on today because I want Craig Ludwig... Well, I mean, I want Craig Ludwig to do a a few things on this podcast, but first and foremost, the art of defending two on one. It seems as though there was some (laughs) breakdown. So tell us now, why did you use that phrase art of defending? Because I really do think it's an art because I think, you know, if done correctly, um, you know, it's not one of those things where you have to, I mean, these are things that you can practice and, I think in film sessions, it's like you have a elite goalie behind you, you know, um, you know, take, take, take away the pass and let him take the angle. So, I mean, well, that would, the that only would be... reason I asked you that question yeah. is because I have done a thing on the NHL network channel with Larry Robinson and Chris Pronger, and it's called the art of D. So oh, that's, not, well, that's I mean, why I thought you were bringing that up. That's we massive company. Yeah, we, we did. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I didn't actually, when they called me and asked me to do it, they, I mean, it was Scott Lachlan that did it. I did it with, and I, I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, with Larry and Pronger on there either. And then, and that was, God, I don't know, maybe three years ago, two, three years ago. And, and the only reason that came to mind <clears throat> is when we were in, uh, Minnesota this past weekend with our U18 team I had my phone um, as my Bluetooth right you know I had it for sure. the map for the map as we were going back and forth to the air or to the rink and shit like that so anyways um, I get in there and I had I started the car up and the Bluetooth obviously connected on my phone and when I got back in the guys are all giving it to me I'm like what are you guys talking? oh coach you think you're real cool and all that kind of stuff and um, a couple of guys said that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because on the screen in the car, it, ha- it that was on. <laughs> so <laughs> they could see the, you know, the, the, the display that said Craig Ludwig. The, anyway, um, so <clears throat> long, long story, but means nothing. Um, yeah. You know what it is? Defense and defending are about vision. And, and position and vision and knowing what's in front of you, what's on the side of you, and more importantly, what's behind you. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of factors, but also who you're playing against, you know? And so it's funny when you text me last night, I had just got done clipping all of these little, uh, those three goals in the second period against, because these are good examples for me when I take them in <clears throat> and show them to our players. And I say, now again, you know, I'm hard on you guys, but even the best players in the world make the same mistakes. And, you know, I go back to that first one. I think the Stars, yeah, they were up 3 nothing, and the Blackhawks were on a power play. And, you know, and again, I look at it, and Sagan, again, we always use the phrase head on a swivel. So as you're coming back into your own zone, going through the neutral, you always have to be looking around. You have to know where everybody else is on the ice, your guys, their guys. And just, and typically you go, okay, who's the most dangerous guy on the ice? Well, as we know, last night it was Domi and Kane, but on that first one there, the stars are killing a penalty. 
Sagan looks over his shoulder a couple times, so he knows where Kane is. Um, he never really looks once he gets inside the zone and finds Domi. But the point of the, the whole play for me is, even though they're on the power play, the rules are, you know, you can either play a controlled uh, penalty kill or you typically go when the puck is along the wall. You know, there's a bit of a scrum. It's a bouncing puck. And if you can anticipate a pass, that's when you can be a little bit more aggressive. There was a play the puck comes around behind the net and the puck is on the wall and Tyler gets to, and it's Kane, you know, one of the, if not the best passer in the game, one of the top three or so, but the puck isn't even yet to Kane. It's about behind the net on its way to Patrick Kane. And Kane has kind of got his, you know, back to Sagan, maybe, maybe a shoulder to Sagan, but Tyler puts the brakes on at the goal line. And that to me is a time that you go, you got the best passer in the game. And, um, you know, you, you want to take that time and space away from him. I think if he continues to go, Kane can't make that play. And, and Kane made an unbelievable pass to Domi in the slot. But that, that's just one example on that one. And I don't think Foxa, who was kind of in the middle of the ice, he was killing penalty. He didn't, again, <clears throat> the most dangerous area in your own zone is right in front of your net. It's in what we call the house. And Foxa didn't have the urgency to get to the only player that was open uh and Domi so anyway you know I, I just think you could have been a little bit more aggressive on that one um but Payne make or Kane makes a perfect pass I mean it, it couldn't been any I mean he saucers it over a, a you know almost two sticks and lands it right on the tape of of Domi and you know and I don't I don't blame Jake on that one he's probably looking behind the net and trying to find the trying to track the puck and by yeah. the time Kane gets it and so you know that but again that that's just part of at, at a moment there, I think you needed to be an aggressive player, especially on the best guy. I mean, you give him no time and he makes good passes and you give him time and he's going to make a great pass. And that's what Kane did. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I want to ask you from a coach's perspective, because you said last night you were cutting up tape, but you have a unique perspective as both a coach at a very high level and as a player at a high, very high level. When you lose five in a row and you're losing to the Blackhawks, who won four straight, and Columbus is also streaking right now, so it's not like you caught these teams as they were just giving up. No one gives up in the NHL. They're fighting for jobs. But how how do you go about it from a coach and as a guy who has been one of those leaders in the locker room? Are we talking a players-only meeting uh, as a coach? Does DeBoer go to them and say, back to the basics, sticks are too tight? You know, let's, we got to cause scrums in front of the net because one of the things is, and I know it was a six on five, Craig, but I just always hated at the end of the games where it's like all of a sudden it's like that thrust, you know, you're fighting in front of the net and you're, you're scrambling and you're causing them on their heels. And it's like, why couldn't you extend this throughout the third period? Well, I think that the line that, you know, there was a lot of lines you use, but, but that it's not the end of the game. It's when it's three nothing. I mean, again, they, what do they say that the the worst lead in hockey is a two goal lead? Yeah. I've heard it. The the era has changed. It's three goal. It's the third. It's a three goal lead. It seems like now there's so many teams that have coming back. <clears throat> sorry, have come back on teams that have been up for three goals. So you just get complacent, and and you got to put you you got to step on their throat, and you got to go for four. I mean, when you look at the games this year that have gone on, not just, not the stars I'm talking about, but around the league, it's amazing how many three and four goal games where teams have been in control, they lose it. 
and you know or they come back and maybe they got to win it and and just give a point away not two points but I think it's just the urgency and you'll hear all of the the cliches you know playing a 60 minute game and but you know you're playing against the Chicago Blackhawks who have not had a good season you're up by three goals you know almost at the end of two periods um you know and so I think you, you take your foot off the gas a little bit and so yeah they haven't had I mean you look they've got two games left I believe in this month Vegas and some Vancouver so um and it if they even if they split that it's not going to be a good month and you will look back if you slide down and um <clears throat> you know Colorado we, we've talked about Colorado Colorado's got some games in hand um you know so if you slide down and and now you end up in the two or three and maybe you start on the road maybe you play Colorado in the first round are you going to look back at, at at the month of February you know and and those are the kind of things that that you'll look back and go man <clears throat> we had a good season you know things were rolling along we, we were I, I'd said early in the year one thing you do is you don't let it get to three you don't let it get to three loss, losses in a row you try yeah. to end it at two and I think teams that can do that are usually there. They're 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 a playoff team, <clears throat> and Dallas is going to be a playoff team. There's no that, there's no doubt about that for me. But the the time to have your game kind of waver a little bit is not in the last 15, 20 games of the regular season. You want it to be peaking as you head into playoffs, right? So I think that would be the only um, <clears throat> urgency or concern for the coaching staff is to say, what do we do? How do we get this back on the rails? And I don't think it's off the rails by any means. I mean, it, you know, <clears throat> it's natural. 82 games is a long year. Yeah. And I mean, look at Boston. I mean, Boston's rolling along and they may, they may set a record, but you know, they had, they had what three, four games where, you know, where they're going along and they don't lose at home and yeah. they've only lost, you know, and then all of a sudden, but <clears throat> I will tell you that probably the people upstairs in Boston are probably going, now that they've kind of gotten it back, they're going, that was a good thing for us. We needed some adversity. You kind of got to get brought down to earth a little bit when things, because you're, I mean, Boston's a good team, right? Dallas is a good team. Tampa's a good team. Um, Vegas, in my opinion, is a good team. There's good teams here. Carolina's a good team. The Rangers are good teams, mm -hmm. but they all have their little blips during the season. And it's just, how do they handle them? And how do they come out the other side? And do they come out the other side at the proper time? And so, you know, Dallas has got the easiest strength of schedule, I believe, in the NHL from here to the end. They do. So it's a good opportunity for these guys to go as a team, if you're talking about team meetings, we have to approach the, the the rest of the season like we're playing Boston, like we're playing Carolina, like we're playing Colorado. It Don't look at the jersey. Just imagine that you're playing one of the top three teams in the league, top five teams in the league, and we'll get our game back in order because we believe in what we have. And, you know, now <clears throat> what I would say now, though, and I think we talked about this a week or two ago, are the guys in the room right right now going – uh, okay, so we we faltered a little bit here and we stumbled a little bit and the trade deadline's seven, eight days away. Are they going to make a trade? Yeah. Are they going to do something to spark? Because I would be wondering that. I am wondering that right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, and, and and it, it gives, you know, it gives the other teams 
a little bit more leverage because it's like you lost five in a row. You know, you have older players. You know, this is your now time. And so if you want my guy, here's what the hall price is. goes up. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the price goes up. Like if you want Patrick Kane and, and again, we, we had said, you know, I had said this before when, when they played, who was it? Boston and Tampa, yep. they came out of those two games and you're like, they might need a little bit, a little something extra. Yeah. Just something extra. Um, you know, and I thought it would be, you know, a, a depth defenseman or something like that. But when you came out of them couple games and you're like, okay, do we have enough to get past Carolina? You know, should we get to the finals? Um, do we have enough to get by those teams? Cause they've got some ammo on those other teams. Yeah. And you do start thinking about the, the cane and, you know, guys like that. So, but again, that's not really in anybody's control except Patrick Kane. He's the one that's going to decide where he wants to go. Right. Don't be on the other hand, that, Craig. Yeah. And I'm hearing it still could be the Rangers, but, but what's got to happen is, you know, there's probably got to be another team involved. There's yeah. got to be a team that's going to be the banker. But, but again, if that were Dallas, that'd probably be the same scenario I, with their salary cap. Maybe, maybe you get, I mean, you, you know, you get somebody to pick up 50%. You can pick up 50%, but then you pedal 25% of it off. And what do you got to give up? Are you going to give up Foxa and Garyanov and a, and a second round pick? Or, yeah. you know, again, that's up to Jim Neal to see what he wants to give away. I think, I think, I think the problem with Kane compared to what St. Louis got for Tarasenko. Um, I think the problem is it's going to be with the Stars without their first-round pick, it would be something in the area, just looking at the Horvat deal as well. A first-round pick in 2024, second-round pick, and one of your high prospects, Stankoven, Wyatt Johnston, someone like that. And to me, for a rental, that's tough. I think, obviously, Domi would be less. I do like Domi's aggressiveness, and he can still score. Um, So I think he kind of mucks it up in front of the net, which you know I always love. JVR would be less coming from Philadelphia. Um, I think that might be a third and fourth round pick. Um, I'm sure Philadelphia is holding out to see how much they want. But it is interesting because I'm kind of at the point, Craig, where I'm like, if I'm going to give up a Stankoven, and there's no guarantees that these guys are going to be good, or a Maverick Bork, or, you know, I mean, we've seen what Wyatt Johnston can do. But if I'm giving up those kinds of guys, I want Jacob Chikrin because I want two years of protection, and that guy's on my blue line for the rest of his career. So that's just that's just me. 